welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. So, uh, Wednesday, unbeaten in four weeks. It's been a really good period for, uh, for the Owls. Uh, right, so last time we recorded this, we were talking about whether there was a possibility that the Forest game might end up being played behind closed doors. Um, I don't think anyone kind of saw just how dramatic and just how quickly things were about to change, not just from a football point of view, but, you know, from, from a society point of view, from the, the entire country and actually, you know, pretty much the entire world that's, um, that, that's going through the situation that we're in right now. We decided to, to kind of get together and have a bit of a chat about kind of what's been going on, both from a football point of view and from a wider point of view and, um, you know, interesting times for, for football at the moment. Um, first thing for us to chat about. About then um dom because within this period um you you had a bit of an audience with the big man himself uh with uh, with mr chancery so um I, I know we've all obviously read all kind of the um the different parts of of that but just give us a bit of an insight into into that whole thing yeah it was a long sit down with Dapon chancery and yeah you know he very kindly agreed to and we talked about pretty much everything that the, the, the fans, I think, really wanted discussing, wanted to uh, get some more information and details from him. Uh, you know, in what is, without a doubt, it's the toughest period of his premiership, as we talked about, that there have been, there are way more negatives right now than positives, it would seem. And so there was no subject that was off limits and I, I I found him very open and honest and engaging um, and, and actually in the three-part series that I did for Yorkshire Live you can see that you know, compared to I think a lot of chairmen when you you know up and down the country when when you, you know when you're talking strictly just about the second part alone on recruitment I can't think of many clubs as transparent, really, uh, when it comes to recruitment. And I, I, I thought that actually he brought a lot of clarity there on something that needed to be addressed. And I, and I, and I do believe that we've now got a much clearer idea on the recruitment side of it, whether you agree with it or not. And there will still be a lot of fans out there who won't like uh, what he said, and uh, I don't really think he could win with this interview. You know, this has been a long time coming, uh, and uh, I think that it, it's one of them where I actually think that there were quite a lot of nuggets in there. And I'm not just saying that because I did the interview and was lucky to do that, but I actually think if you look and go beneath the surface when it comes to Amadou Paxal's involvement, the recruitment, Doyen Sports, Gary Monk, his, you know, how he sees the future. I, I think he's reaffirmed quite a lot of uh, things that Wednesday fans wanted to know. So I, I, I thought a lot of what he said was refreshing, but clearly he's not going to win over the entire fan base with what he said. Uh, and I think really that's where. There's only so much his words can heal the wounds, really, that have formed over the last few years. I think it's what we want to see is action and now improvement on the pitch and off it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I saw quite a lot of the sort of the feedback, um, the replies on kind of social media and stuff. And, you know, there were a lot of people where you kind of realize actually it didn't really matter what he said. They, they were probably going to take issue with quite a, a lot of it. What I'm quite interested in is, um, I mean, obviously the, the interviews are there for anyone that's not read them. They can, you know, go away and have a, a look. I'm kind of interested in sort of what, what wasn't said. And what I mean by that is just, you know, I've, I've been wondering whether or not we, we could be getting towards a point where um, the chairman kind of wonders whether or not his heart's still in this and whether it's time for him to, um, you know, look at other things and maybe a different direction for the club under, you know, some someone else. And mm. there's been a lot of talk about whether or not, you know, is he is, is selling now his only option and all that kind of stuff. What kind of feeling did you get from 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 him? Did you get the the, the feeling of someone that maybe is a, a little bit wary um, or a little bit weary, I think is what I meant to say there, or that someone that still, you know, absolutely got the, the, the fight and the passion for, for, for this project? Yeah, no, I think he's got the drive and the passion is still very much there, James, honestly. And, and I, I thought a couple of the key quotes to take away from the interview is, is where he's saying uh, and when he's addressing and talking about, is he here for the long haul? And he's still talking about his son at taking over from him. And he doesn't just say that once, he says it twice. And so I think that's very important um, for people to know, really, and see that I, I definitely felt that the the passion and the drive, it, it's there. It's always been there. That I think, you know, there's no doubt that the chairman deeply cares um, and is desperate to do well with Sheffield Wednesday. But the facts are that certainly with recruitment, that has been uh, an area where they, they were found wanting, certainly after Wembley. Uh, and I asked him, you know, do you think that, you know, he signed too many players? And it, there was some accountability there. Probably didn't go deep enough for some people, but he did say that, yeah, with with hindsight, we didn't get everything right on recruitment and so there was a little bit of sort of holding his hands up and admitting that we've got things wrong and I think that was vital really for some Wednesday fans to hear. I, and I think I fall into that category in terms of the fact that um, for me the, you know the the past is the past and there's no point us dwelling on we shouldn't have bought this player and we shouldn't have done that and we shouldn't have done the other it's important to look at those things but what's really important is have those lessons been learned that's what matters to to me um and so it's always a little bit tricky isn't it when when you're looking at kind of a, a written word interview as to you know what what pitch and, and kind of how those things were said because i looked at it and thought you know the, there was a, a a certain acceptance of mistakes have been made but Mr. Chancery has always come across to me as someone that that can be quite defensive, and that um, if if he feels that you know he's under attack, that you know he he does tend to be defensive and almost go on the counter attack. Um, and uh, you know, reading those words, I kind of got the impression at times that there was almost a, a little admission of, well, you know, ev everyone makes mistakes, uh, and you know, we didn't get everything perfect. But I don't know if there was enough there to make me think, all right, yeah, he gets it now. He's he has learned those lessons, and actually, you know, from a recruitment point of view, particularly because it felt like that was the big kind of message that came from it. That from a recruitment point of view, that I, I kind of went away thinking, yeah, all right, I've I've got faith there that you know he has learned everything. 
Um, yeah. And I guess that's part of the reason that I ask about kind of like, you know, what, what his general kind of persona was like during those, those, mm. that, that, that chat, because um, whether or not you get the impression that someone really has learned from something, I think he's more than just the words that come out of their mouth, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. He was in good spirits and, and on really good form. And, uh, of course, like things have not gone the way that he or Wednesday would have wanted to this season. Uh, and, and as he pointed out, I would say that the criticism at the regime and how things are going, uh, were we moaning and whinging a lot and really having a go at the hierarchy, Gary Monk, when the team were third? At Christmas, we weren't, were we? I mean, that, that's the reality. But then things have unravelled in the last couple of months, and then that's when you then get, of course, people uh, bringing up constantly what's Amadou Paxau's involvement in the club. He's been on the scene for a number of years, and I thought that's what was re- revealing as well about this interview is that it's the first time, certainly on the record, to any media that he has talked at length about Amadou Paxel. And actually, uh, yeah, some people will say, oh, you know, it's easy to say these words now uh, about, oh, you know, Paxel recommended Barry Bannon, Fernando Forestieri, Dominic Iorfa. But certainly at the time, a year ago or so, that's actually what I'd heard as well, certainly on Iorfa, was that that was someone who was on... Uh, Amadou Paxel's sort of radar and he played a, a key part in bringing him to the football club. Uh, so, yeah, there have been more misses than there have been hits on players, on players um, coming to the club. There definitely has been. We know that. It's there for all to see. And I, I think your point about has lessons been learned it is a, a, you know, a really pertinent one. And you would have to say that maybe in the last two to three transfer windows, and I've made this point before on the podcast, that I actually think maybe there are signs that they're going for younger players and players to try and build a team around for the future. When you look at Iorfa, Massimo Luongu, and then I think some of the loan signings have been good and and paid off and worked. You'd say that Jacob Murphy um, has done well this year and then the free transfers not bad business really in Kadeem Harris and Julian Burner and all of the right age profiles that you're looking for so yeah he was defending Paxau that's again how it will be perceived in some quarters but I think actually the fact that he was praising his work and that it's the it's the first time that it's emerged that some very Big players for Wednesday over the years in Bannon and Forestieri, Lucas Schwau, another, that he has played a significant part in that. But then, of course, on the flip side, you've also then got who signed Daryl Latchman, who signed Modu Sugu, and the, the list goes on, doesn't it? Philippe Mello, uh, you, you could reel them wow. off, couldn't you? Marnik Vermeil. Uh, as you can tell, <laughs> I've been going through the signings from the last five years as I'm having to try and come up with some content now in these uh, very dark times. So, yes, uh, that you would have to say that over the last five years, I probably, you probably would say maybe 60 to 65% of the buys have actually not come off. It's probably a, a sort of percentage. I don't know what you think. 
But I mean, just when I've broken them down and looked at them, you would say it's maybe more in favour of there being more misses than hits. I, I mean, I guess you could argue that probably, probably most clubs um, end, end up in that sort of situation. That the, the clubs that that happen upon a policy where they have more hits than misses are the ones that do well. And and um, you know that's that isn't just potluck. It's definitely not. It's all about having a really good recruitment strategy, which you know is, is kind of brings us back to that same question as to whether or not we're in that position right now for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, which kind of leads us into the wider discussion really about where we're at at the moment, because normally we'd be at the point where we're starting to think about, you know, latter end of the season, winding things up, hopefully in the last three, four weeks, Wednesday would have got a few points and, and that kind of looking over our shoulder um, scenario would have, have gone away other than the elephant in the room of the EFL charge, which we'll talk about later on. Um, but, you know, we now be starting to think about the summer and about transfers and players that are out of contracts and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, where we are right now is this weird no man's land, which is um, English football right now, because, um, you know, transfer window seems like a million miles away because we've still got, um, you know, quite a large chunk of a season to play. Um, we we were in the situation whereby end of April was the provisional date for when um, they were hoping to kind of get things up and running again. Now that's just indefinite. Um, and it's it's kind of anyone's guess as to when that might be. And, um, you know, as, as, as I've kind of sat and thought about when do I think we might see football again? And it's so hard to figure out when the end to um, social distancing might be. That feels like it's quite a long way away. And then thinking about football and certainly football with a crowd feels a million miles away right right now and certainly not something that's around the corner so we're, we're back to something that we talked about on our last episode which is football behind closed doors and whether that's a possibility and so many different questions about contract lengths and if if we start playing again in June what happens to players whose contracts end on the 1st of July what about players with pre-contract agreements what about the transfer window just, I mean, it's such a, it's, it is just a, a, an absolute minefield right now, isn't it? Oh no, it is. Uh, everything is up in the air. Um, the only thing that is certain is uncertainty, isn't it? it? It's we are in a really unique situation, and looking at it purely from the football club's point of view there's going to be a sort of four-step process. Uh, you know, it was. It was Fascinating, actually, talking to Wednesday's, uh, you know, head of uh, medicine and sports science this week, and Tony Strudwick, uh, you know, who's another great character behind the scenes. And I think he's been, uh, you know, a really good appointment for Wednesday. And you know, a lot of people were singing his praises, particularly in that first half of the season when the team were doing well. But, yeah, I was talking to Tony about, so if this delay the pause in the football season this goes on say if uh, it's looking like it could be middle of june end of june maybe if we're lucky perhaps that football might resume could be even later than that we don't know uh, but for every week that the players are not at the training ground they're doing the home based training how long will it actually physically take to get them then up to match speed? And and Tony was saying to me that so for every week that they're away, that you can they basically need then after that when they come back three days of training 
for every week that they're away. So you do the maths. And so say best case scenario, we're looking at middle of May, end of May. And I, I think that's probably unrealistic, you would say, at this stage. But uh, they're going to need, that's a minimum of a month's training then. And then also what football clubs will have to do is arrange behind closed doors matches themselves to get, you know, uh, some, you know, build up that sort of level of um, fitness that they need then obviously to go play the rest of the season that we hope is going to happen. And and also for for football clubs, they're going to have to look at the process of how when we stop self-isolating and staying at home, going uh, you know, say back to work, I don't think it's going to be a simple case of for Wednesday, as an example, not all their first team squad will go straight back to Middlewood Road. I'm sure that they will have procedures in place where maybe it'll be individual groups at one time, then you get the full group together. And then, as I was saying before, you're looking at however long it's going to be like a mini pre-season that they're going to need to yeah. get that sharpness in the legs uh, and then also matches. So minefield that you said before, James, that is probably the perfect description for where we're, we're at right now. And, and this, all, all this, you don't even get the question of, of contracts and stuff coming up into this. That, uh, dear, and, 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 you know, Wednesday, we know I've got players whose contracts run out on, I think it's the 1st of July, isn't it? Is like contract date. Yeah. Um, June so we've the got 1st, players whose contracts. July the 1st. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. So we've got players whose contracts are coming up that we know are not going to be renewed. Um, some of them are probably involved in the first team right now. Some of them aren't. Uh, we've got players whose contracts are coming up that we know we would like to renew. That that we you know we we would be planning to offer a new contract to. Um, if those remaining fixtures kind of go past that date, what what happens? Is there a, a blanket football rule that those contracts that, that are due to finish on the 30th of June are, are automatically extended up until the end of the season, whenever that may be? Because there'll be clubs that say, like for us, with players like Sam Hutchinson, for example, Wednesday would say, well, we're not renewing his contract because we've, we've never had any intention of, of doing it, even for an extra month or two months or whatever it may be. So that that's a real mess something... and I just don't know how that's yeah. going to get sorted out. It's so hard to figure out the answer to that i hear what you're saying james but i think there'll be something that will have to come in across football where they will extend the i don't know i i don't know what the arrangement will be but uh yeah clearly it looks like the football season if the 29 20 campaign is to be concluded and it's going to be in the summer months and beyond that those that contract point, as you mentioned, then they're clearly going to uh, somehow probably ex- you know, extend the players' contracts of the, or the guys who were meant to be up in the summer to allow them to then actually be able to play and complete the season. And it's it's, it's not a, an easy situation by any means for players as well when you're thinking about what they're going to do for their long-term futures. Yeah, that's tough, that, uh, 100%. But, but yeah, I think we're going to be looking at a scenario where you're going to be trying to cram nine matches into, say, a three-week period. Um, and so it's going to be logistically, it's going to be a big challenge. And so teams to combat that fixture congestion or that 
busy period, they're going to need their whole squad to choose from. Um, so I suppose it remains to be seen what happens there. I think sitting here now, say if um, you know, we, we, you know, we all hope that this season gets concluded, what would you do with the nine players that Wednesday have got? up this summer or you know who are in the final months of their contracts who who would be the ones that you keep right now James um I, I mean I, th- I think it's fairly obvious so I think you've got Morgan Fox who's been a, a great performer of late um so he's one um I, I think Stephen Fletcher's probably because of the situation that we're in with strikers um I think there, there might be an argument to, to suggest that maybe actually, you know, Stephen Fletcher, maybe he, he, although he's been in good form this season, is it time for a bit of a clean break and is actually to, to bring some fresh blood in there in the, in the attacking department. But I don't, I, I think just the sheer, uh, lack of forward players that we will have pretty much makes that decision without having to get into that that discussion and that debate. So I think you would offer a new contract to Stephen Fletcher. I think it would have to be on reduced terms. Um, I think that the ball is in his court and that he could probably stand his ground and ask for um, more than we would want to probably pay. Um, mm-hmm. And we might not have much choice in that matter. We'd, we might just have to go with, um, to go with that. Um, the other one that there's probably a bit of a question mark uh, about, and he's kind of the forgotten man of Sheffield Wednesday for most people, but but not me for for reasons that will become apparent is Matt Penning, uh, who's obviously been on yes. on loan at St Pauli, who are, are, are the other team that I follow. So I have seen him play quite a lot this season. Um, and if I'm perfectly honest, I, I don't think he's set anything alight in uh, in Zwei Bundesliga. I think he's had a few decent games. He scored a goal in the um, away derby victory for St Pauli at um, HSV, and will forever go down in St Pauli folklore because of um, of of that. But the the last St Pauli game that I went to uh, Matt Penny started that that game um, and about 15-20 minutes into it he had a, a sight of goal and it, it ended up in it was a it was a bit of a rosette effort and went over and, and wide um, and, and one of the guys who I was stood with who's a St Pauli fan who lives over there turned around and said oh that's why he's called Matt Penny and not Matt Pound um, and, <laughs> and from that I kind of took away that um, I don't think that, that St Pauli as a fan base have, have hugely warmed to him I don't think he's disliked but I just don't think that he's done that much while he's he's been there and um, you know, I, I don't know if there'll be a clamour for them to want to keep him, and I just don't know what where he goes because a couple of years ago, when he burst onto the scene, he was going to be huge, wasn't he? And his yeah. his form just seems to have plateaued. You know how I normally don't like agreeing with you, James, but the uh, the, the three players <laughs> that uh, you have, yeah, the, the three players that you brought up, I, I, I would go along with that. I think they are the three that out of the nine first-teamers that Wednesday've got, I would be looking to keep those three. And then when you factor in that they got Cameron Dawson done over the line in January, uh, I'd be pretty happy with that. Interestingly, there was some agent talk I noticed actually about um, Morgan Fox this week linking in with Middlesbrough. There have been a number of other clubs over the last few months, West Brom, Huddersfield, you know, in the championship, sort of classic, sort of agent driven. And we know that Wednesday, Wednesday being in negotiations with 
Fox and Stephen Fletcher's representatives for you would you know probably looking at five weeks or so that they've on and off they've had discussions with them, uh, and I don't think there's any reason to be alarmed just yet. Uh, I still think that certainly I can see Fox staying. I think Fox will stay. Stephen Fletcher for the financial reasons that you outlined before. Uh, yeah, I, that's what I think Wednesday have to think about themselves first and foremost and make sure that they get a good package there or that when you look at Stephen Fletcher, his age, he's 33 now. Yes, he's had the best season probably of his career at club level. Is he going to replicate that next season and the year after that? That's a huge question there. Uh, but... I'm conscious and very mindful of what you also pointed out before, James, of where if Stephen Fletcher was not to sign for whatever reason, you release Ati Nuyu, Fernando Forestieri, Sam Winnell, that leaves Wednesday with Jordan Rhodes up front. And so that then position in the squad is going to need major surgery in the summer and that's the area of the pitch that always costs the most and Wednesday there's no doubt they've got to get more goals into this team as we've seen this year they've been so heavily reliant haven't they at times on Fletcher for goals that's got to change so we all know that but that's why I think it's critical really that Fletcher stays. Otherwise, that's his goals to replace and more bodies to bring in. And of course, we have no idea what the replacements are going to do, what they'd be like. So, yeah, uh, I, I think Fletcher is it's huge if they keep him. And then on Matt Penny, I, I, I wrote about it yesterday, actually, that left back for me is an area that Wednesday have to bring someone in this summer, whenever the transfer window is open, that's a position for me that I think has to be very high up on the agenda that they need to strengthen. And that's whether Penny stays or goes. And I'd also throw Morgan Fox into the equation. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I mean, on, on the subject of Matt Penny, and um, he prob- I think what I said probably sounded really negative. And I, I think Matt Penny is a good footballer and I think he's got a lot to offer. Um, and I think, you know, we forget the fact that he is still quite young and he probably is still learning. Um, I think I, I, I don't think that Germany was the right loan move for him. Um, I think. Uh, I, I maybe he just didn't want to, but I think maybe even dropping down into League One would have been a better low move because the the similarity in the the football and um for for you know various other reasons I think he'd have got more from that than he has done by going and, and playing in the second division in um, Germany. But I, like I said, I don't, I don't think that he makes him a bad player. I just don't think it's it's particularly kind of you know set set the place alight. So um, what? What happens with him, I don't know. I, I'd like to see Wednesday keep him, and I still think he's got something to offer. Um, and I think we need to be looking towards those younger players who are still learning and have still got some distance to kind of go before they're near their peak are, are ultimately 
the players that we need around this club and not not kind of the um harsh phrase but the has-beens that that we've kind of you know bloated the squad with in in recent in recent years so matt penny if if, if he was being released by someone like derby or forest yeah. we'd be straight in for him because he fits the the criteria for moving forward with so i think he's i think it is important that we keep matt penny but you're right defensively mm-hmm. is an area that we've we 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 need to look at hugely doesn't it and there's 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 uh huge rebuildings there dominic iorfa forms kind of a central crux of that defense now moving forward but beyond that i think every position is up for grabs i was going to actually bring up another young player who we haven't seen a lot of this season uh, and he hasn't played many times for wednesday but he has been getting football elsewhere and his contract's up is connor kirby uh, he's obviously been at Macclesfield and um, we know that Wednesday in midfield you would think that Sam Hutchinson certainly while Gary Monk's in charge he's not going to be offered a new deal I would suggest that Kieran Lee won't either so then you've got Luongu, Peggy Pessy and Barry Bannon haven't you uh, in central midfield for next season so oh, actually Peli Pessy is another sorry who's also up so if Penny, so you could, it may be that Wednesday release Penny, Pessy, Lee, and Hutchinson. So what will they do with Connor Kirby? He, he, but he hasn't proven or delivered at championship level. But he's never really been given a chance. But would you be inclined to maybe give him a one-year deal and see how he goes on? I, I mean, I guess from a financial point of view, he's he's not going to be a particularly expensive player, so it doesn't make a huge dent in terms of the the budget. Um, I, I I mean, I guess they've been keeping pretty close tabs on how he's been getting on. I, I can't, I've not really been following how he's been doing at, at, at Macclesfield, whether he's been playing, um, whether or not he's been doing well or or otherwise. Um, but you know, if he's if he's done all right, if he's been getting some football, the idea of sending players out on loan to League One is that they get used to playing week in week out you probably don't expect them to um you know kind of be be one of the best players in the in the league and you know it's happened before when um Liam Palmer went to Tranmere and won their player of the year i think two years in a row uh but that's not the norm what you send a player out for is to just get them into the the habit of playing every week and and you know how psychologically a season unfolds and the the physical demands and everything if he's done all right yeah um he's more he fits more the kind of player that we're going to want moving forward certainly from an age profile point of view than um than, than going and getting someone that's released from another championship club who's just a very average, all right player who's past the peak. It, it makes more sense. But I, I don't, I mean, have, have you heard much about how he's got on there? I think it's been a tough year for Macclesfield in general, uh, but he has been actually playing quite a lot of games. Uh, and I think he's done okay by all accounts. And I, I've liked what I've seen of him uh, when he's played for the under 23s and, and he's sort of combative in there he's not uh, the biggest so when when you're thinking of physicality he's not going to bring that to the team but he is energetic uh, and I think yeah he's another one who's got something to offer who I would look at keeping and then trying to get him involved in and around the first team next season Uh, as he is one I think maybe for the future but Certainly, if Hutchinson, Lee, Pelly, Pessy go, there will be one central midfielder minimum that they would have to bring if you're going to have Kirby, say, as your fourth choice. So I think we've already got 
left back central midfield definitely need two players there. You see, I disagree with you on right back. I, I don't. I don't think for me that's a priority. I think that they've got Palmer and Odebagio. So I, I think for the time being, I would leave right back alone. Um, and I think Liam Palmer has done well enough in the last year or so. Um, yeah, so I think that's what I would do. Uh, I think the other pressing issues over right back as things stand. You're probably right in terms of the fact that, you know, we, as you made that point, we're going to have one striker that obviously needs resolving. Um, the, the midfield will be stripped pretty bare and that's going to need resolving. And actually, you know, we've got two or three players that can play right back. So, you know, that doesn't, means that it's probably not as much of a priority, but, um, you know, it's, it's difficult. And I think because of other stuff that's been going on, like the scale of the rebuilding projects maybe slipped our mind a little bit that, you know, this is, you know, we're looking, certainly it's going to be pushing towards double figures in terms of the number of players that Wednesday are going to need to bring in just to actually have a squad for the start of next season, you know, let alone kind of strength in, in depth. Um, it, it's really going to be quite considerable. You know, the lone players you think would probably all go back. Yeah. Um, and, and and that means, you know, there's, there's huge areas of that squad that are going to be seriously depleted. I mean, this is the scenario that we wanted. You know, we've talked a lot about clean break, fresh start, all these phrases that have come up time and time again. When the reality of it kind of kicks in, and you just think that's a lot of players that we've got to bring in, um, and and getting that right, we've talked about that, you know, sixty percent kind of you know um, miss mark that we've we've maybe had in the in the past. We can't afford that to be the case this summer. No, definitely not. And I think maybe in the last two to three transfer windows, I think who they've signed, brought in have improved the team and have been upgrades uh, and with that kind of long-term outlook that we are crying out for. Uh, and, and you mentioned that that's it, it's the lone players too. So when you think you've got nine or ten players out contracts, then you've got Jacob Murphy and the three lads they signed in January. So, yeah, uh, there will be a huge turnover, or there could be. But it was funny when you look back to last season. It was it was a similar boat, wasn't it? Of where at the end of the season, Steve Bruce released uh, the six players: Gary Hooper, George Boyd, Marco Mateus, Alman Abdi, etc. The lone players: Michael Hector, the two Newcastle lads. They went back, so there were nine. And then I think if you actually look at who Wednesday signed this season. Uh, in the first half of the campaign, there was about four or five, and we were still saying the squad's huge, the squad is big. So actually, I, I don't know if Wednesday would need, say, double figures, like you were suggesting before. I'd maybe suggest if you clear out or you say goodbye to uh, of those out-of-contract players, loan players, maybe say 10 then I think you're probably looking at they need five players five to six players but that if if that's the scenario those five or six players have all got to be brilliant 
we can't afford for two or three of them to for it just not to work like we've we've got to get those five or six right if we're going down the route and and i think it is you know it, it's better to get quality in rather than quantity so it would be better yeah. to get in five or six players who become first team regulars um but we've got to dwell on that that percentage that we talked about there like if if we um ha- end up with more misses than hits then we end up in a a, a right kind of stinker of a mess there Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I suppose this comes back to that argument. We all remember the the infamous survey, but do you want the route of the, the club to be that um, next season we start to maybe see Liam Shaw, Connor Grant from the under-23s, that development squad integrated into the team, along with, say, Matt Penny, Connor Kirby, should they sign... Um, you know, new deals, and then you are getting that injection of youth and energy that we talk about all the time. But then the trade off will be you will get with young players that inconsistency in performance, and that they will go up and down. And Matt Penny is a classic case in point, isn't he? Of where burst onto the scene, looked like a world beater for the first, say, six weeks to two months. And then things really tailed off, lost his place in the team. And it's never really been the same, has it, uh, since the back end of Jos Lukai's reign? Uh, oh, oh, so are we getting into that position? I think I'd rather the club, and I'd be interested to hear what you think, I'd rather the club actually sign half a dozen players with a view to they will strengthen the team and, and hopefully all six would go straight into the starting eleven certainly be in the matchday squad and then Wednesday look at bringing in some of the best youngsters that they've got. Ben Hughes maybe would be another one. I like Josh Dewoodoo actually at right back. I think he's another one to keep an eye on. I think there are four or five kids who I'd be looking to. So I'd rather they do that because I think the point you made there is this club has been guilty for the last few years of quantity over quality. Yeah, uh, and and actually that scenario that you talk about there, I think uh, that that's quite an exciting scenario in my mind. That you know that we'd have this blend of maybe bringing in some players who who we would class as being quality signings, alongside um, you know a name that's not come up yet, Alex Hunt. You would think would yeah. be in prime position to become you know a, a more or less a first team regular next season. Um, and there's other players. Fraser Preston's been kind of um, had had match time in the past and then vanished, um, and still kind of knocking around, and, and probably other players. Uh, Boroklov's another one, isn't he? Who's you know he's had a couple of appearances on the bench, and and, and you know there have been those other um, players too. Uh, but I I think my concern about this is that as fans, there's also a mindset shift that we need to do here because if that's what happens, if we bring in four, or five, maybe six players who who we think are you know uh, quality players, and we promote quite a few of the younger players, and we have that mixed squad that's maybe got more youth in it than. Um, the squad that we've had this season, I think we've probably had the oldest starting eleven average over the course of of this season. I, I, and I might be proved wrong on that, but I would guess that that's been the the case. Then we have to accept that next season we're not going to run away with winning the championship. We're probably not going to be in with. We're certainly not going to be one of the favourites for going up. And we actually might find that it's a little bit of a, t- a tough season, and it's a season of adjustment. While some yeah. of these younger players 
kind of you know come into their own we have to accept that and and if we're going to do, go down that route as fans we can't start the season going well if we don't get top two then it's a disaster or if we don't finish in the playoffs it's a disaster because yeah. we have to accept that it's a season of adjustment um and we are you know changing the kind of um, not just the team, but the kind of club that, that we are. And I'm fine with that. But my worry is, are other fans going to be fine with that? Yeah, that's my concern too, James, is that I'm not sure that the Wednesday fan base will tolerate that and that they will want to lower their expectations, which I think automatically comes with when you start promoting a lot of kids uh, and, and of course, we saw how that all went under Jos Lukai from a few years ago. So that's that's the danger. Uh, another one, when you look at youngsters, we haven't talked about as well. The Zazi Urigidi, is it, it falls into that category too of where first two appearances, yeah, great, and then uh, the last two sent off, and then he had a bit of a stink and taken off at half time against Blackburn. Uh, so it, it, that's what happens with younger players. Yeah, it would te- it, expectations would have to be tempered. But it, I, I do understand where Wednesday fans are coming from when they're going to Hillsborough and they're paying top dollar. You know, they're paying a, you know, a big price to follow this team up and down the country and have been doing for some time. And so the least they expect to be is entertained uh, and to see that high quality product. But of course, I, I I do think that, yeah, with younger players, there's that uncertainty of you just don't know how they're going to do that transition from under 23s football to championship, the rough and tumble. Uh, you know, it's the, the golf is huge and it just gets bigger and bigger for me, I think, every year. So, um, it's a real tricky one and it's that balancing act, I think, as you say, of uh, you, you, you want to try and get the positive results and to be challenging at the top end while also going through a big rebuild, which is what Wednesday are inevitably going to have to go through this summer. I think it, it comes down to um, belief. And I think if if it is a bit of a rough season, and you know, I mean, there's other factors that we've we're going to have to talk about in this whole thing as as well. Uh, and and you know, we'll, we'll move on to kind of off the pitch stuff in a minute. But um, if it is going to be a bit of a rough season, if there's enough there to make us feel like there's some promise and there's a bit of hope about once everything starts to come together, then the future looks brighter. Um, and we've seen the clubs that have been through this that have maybe had a little bit of a hard time as as they've kind of gone through a bit of a transformation and ultimately it's paid off for them and they've become a stronger club in the in the kind of the medium term after those initial you know year two years whatever it might be for it all to kind of come together i think i'd be more demoralized if we if we did end up going down the route of just bringing in a lot of very average players and and, and basically replacing quite average players with more average players and just having churn for the sake of churn i would rather feel that there's a bit of short-term pain for you know medium to to long-term 
gain. That's what it comes down to for for me. Um, the other kind of flip side of all this is is you know obviously the EFL charge side of it. So there's there's two factors. Well, there's there's probably more than two factors to look at here. One is those individual charges have have been dropped. The other is um, the football season kind of going on hiatus throws up all kinds of questions about what happens now from the um, from from the main EFL charge point of view. Uh, it also throws up a lot of questions about what the heck happens in terms of FFP moving forward because it's all done on these three-year cycles which are now all out of sync and, and it really messes everything up. Clubs are going to be worse off as a result of what's happened in football uh, right now and just how bad that will be, who knows. But um, it feels that the, the the system of financial fair play is going to have to change as a result of what's going on right now um, and will have to look different come what may when clubs start kind of spending money again how you get those three-year balance sheets to to, to work out is, is it's almost impossible to see how that works now and i hope it does change uh whether it, it does or not uh we'll have to wait and see uh but yeah from wednesday's point of view yeah it, it's a it's a win of course it is and uh it's good news that those individual charges have been dropped um, but it's sort of like they've won a battle, but they haven't won the war. The the there's still a lot uh, to be decided, really, and that's where this independent disciplinary hearing, uh, when that takes place now, when that's going to happen, is also up in the air and I would imagine you, you see now with the difficulty that we've got in actually you, know, you can't get people physically into a room together can you actually do an independent disciplinary proceeding by zoom skype uh, facetime probably not you would, but you never know with modern technology but you see where I'm going with this so how long it's going to drag on for now but I know from talking to the EFL, it's still very much a case of they, they want to get this done sooner rather than the later. And it's not just Wednesday. You've also got Derby, potentially Aston Villa if they come down, Birmingham. So it's not just Wednesday uh, that is affected by all this. Uh, but yeah, um, it, it really has just been that dark cloud, a dark cloud, hasn't it? Just hanging over. Yeah. And, and and the the legal ramifications of this are, are huge in terms of the fact that um I don't know if it was ever confirmed, but there seemed to be like an understanding that if the uh hearing resulted in a points deduction, if that was done before the end of March, that it would apply to the current season. And if it's after the end of March, then it rolls over to the start of next season um and as i said i don't know if that's definitely fact or not but that seemed to be kind of the general understanding of, of roughly how it works so if the efl uh, hearing takes place and it results in a point deduction and let's throw a number on it for the sake of it let's say it's a 10 point deduction um and because it's after the end of march then they say that applies for next season and sheffield wednesday stay in the championship by more than 10 clear points then wednesday could turn around and say well if not for what happened in terms of coronavirus that hearing would have taken place before the end of March and that points deduction would have applied to this season so Wednesday have got ground to appeal and say well actually that should apply retrospectively to the current season rather than mm. rolling into next season it op- opens up just this whole other we've used this phrase a few times kind on this podcast works. minefield is the only way of, of kind of talking about um, how 
the 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 kind of the point that uh, a deduction is brought in uh, and i'm I, in my head i'm thinking i mean that's that's kind of got to be a positive for wednesday because it gives mm-hmm. them more grounds to be able to argue uh, a, a side or take a view or, or 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 appeal on certain grounds but it is a it's it is a right old mess this isn't it and and it's yeah. been a mess from the start and it's going to be a mess to, to its conclusion and even afterwards it's probably still going to be a mess i think the other point i would add james is that whoever wins this case or is successful whether it's Wednesday or EFL I think it's pretty much nailed on that whoever loses will appeal and so it won't be the end of the matter and so that's why it is a mess there is no getting away from it yep um and it doesn't feel like we're on the verge of conclusion to that because as you say you know the appeal process is uh that's quite long and drawn out as well and it's all quite secretive and that for us as fans it's the way it's got to be I, I get that but it's frustrating and i think it's a time when we've got enough frustrating factors around football at the moment to be following a club that has that extra fr- frustrating factor that's been you know it's not far off a year now that this has been kind of knocking around that um it, it just feels like we need um we talked about you know the makeup of the squad and that being a little bit of a clean break we need the off the field stuff to be a clean break as well for for us to really have a chance of making a go of it next season whatever that season's going to look like whenever the heck it's going to be played who knows but to 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 still go into next season with this cloud hanging over us i think would be would be a bit of a disaster and we've got to try and find a way of avoiding that Absolutely. And it's it's that lack of clarity on right now. We don't know. So if Wednesday are found guilty by the Independent Disciplinary Commission uh, and are given, say, a 12 point deduction, 10 point, whatever it might be, we just don't know whether it is going to be for this season now or is it going to be for next season. And it's the impact it's going to have. So if it's 12 points for this season and we finish this season, uh, Wednesday manage to stay up or doomsday scenario, they go down, then clearly whatever sort of transfer business they were thinking of doing in the summer, Whenever the market reopens and what they do with the out-contract players, uh, it throws everything up up in the air, doesn't it? And so it it really is um, a tricky situation and difficult position to be in. Well, I'm thoroughly depressed now, so I think we've done a great job of uh, of, of summing I've up the my job, situation. <laughs> um, question for you, Dom: what What is it like um, being a sports journalist right now? Because clearly, there is nothing in the way of sports to write about. Uh, incredibly tough. It, it basically feels like the longest pre-season ever or that's what it's going to be uh and i i am trying to provide as much sheffield wednesday content as i possibly can but usually around this time of year and i was thinking about this i would have you know we we may would have been in swansea yesterday cheering on the team we would have done the probably eight hour round trip uh to watch wednesday lose um <laughs> Obviously, they'd have won. Obviously, they would have won um, with a Tom Lee's header in the last minute. Um, <laughs> but, but instead, yeah, it's it's a lot of sort of um, 
speaking to your contacts, talking to former players, whoever you can really to sort of get some opinions on what the season's going on. But um, yeah, it, it, it's it's really tough. It's just it's so hard for everybody, isn't it? And uh, you, you're trying to. You know, you're following the government's guidelines and everything, uh, and you're going out to do your one bit of exercise that you're allowed to in a day. And then, in my case, I'm then just feeling as if work and cooped neck up to my laptop for basically a good nine, ten hours when I am working. So it, it's uh, very sort of surreal, isn't it? But then. I think it's important at these times to remember that there are a lot of people out there who are worse off than you are. So, yeah, um, to answer your question in a nutshell, it's blooming hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can fully appreciate that. And I think, um, you know, right across the, the, the Wednesday media world, I think, um, you know, kind of seeing some of the work that's been done to come up with new and creative ways to kind of keep content flowing has been impressive across the board to be um to be fair and just to echo that point there something else that I wanted to mention and you know we, we, we'll all have seen on uh Twitter that you know over the course of the last few weeks um obviously it's been rubbish not having football but you know we've lost members of the the Wednesday um supporter base we've lost members of that Wednesday family um and and you know that is the the the, the true reality of the situation that we're in uh right now and, and football you know pales into insignificance when we look at um you know those those situations of people that are losing loved ones and, and people that you know are, are working on the front line of battling what is you know something that's utterly unprecedented and and, and horrendous and um you know we us kind of talking about efl charges and transfers and stuff feels so insignificant when we you know when we really do kind of open our minds to the reality of the situation that's out there right now so i think it's important for us to to, to have that perspective and to to say those um to say those things um, well said james uh, couldn't have put it any better we, um we we are heading into an easter weekend next weekend which obviously from a football point of view is normally a huge weekend in the football calendar and it's talked about kind of being that weekend when you know things start to fall into place you start to see the teams that really are in trouble and you start to see the reality of of a lot of things because there's a lot of games played over easter normally and you know obviously we find ourselves in a very different scenario and we're you know counting down towards an easter of really sitting at home and, and and very little to um for us all to to do but um to kind of dwell on that point the the importance of us following that that guideline and um you know helping those people who are on the front line of battling what we're up against uh right now by staying at home and accepting what we've got to do and you know the small mm. sacrifice that we have to make for the greater good is is well worth it in the um in the end and that is the end of my public service announcement um and um i don't know if we've we got anything else kind of wednesday wise that we need to kind of talk about or does that pretty much wrap us up for now i think we've covered most bases there uh, we haven't really talked about this um but I, i'm thinking that we should sort of put it out there to people to say or, or offer any suggestions on things they'd like us to maybe talk about over the next few weeks because i think we, we want to try and keep the podcast going don't we uh, as much as we possibly can and uh, you know we've got plenty of things that we want to get off our chest what's new uh, but yeah no if there's anything that you particularly want us to uh, to maybe cover so that we in these really tough times try to brighten up 
your moves and uh, then do give us a shout uh, on social media and uh, yeah we'll, we'll look at discussing it because I, I think we might have a few more weeks of where we don't have uh, any football to talk about. Uh, you know what I like the idea of us doing, and I don't think anyone would listen to it, but you know, um, I think it was Sky who got, was it um, Fletcher and Bannon to do like an alternative commentary on each other's goals and stuff like that. I reckon me and you, we could do like a, a, a live stream commentary of, of a, a game or other from uh, from the last few years. And obviously, I mean, you've, you've got experience now. You you were on um, iFollow um, not that long back. So, I mean, it could even be a semi-professional sounding analysis. You might have to be the lead commentator, James, because I have tried doing that uh, once before and I was horrendous. So I, I'm, I'm fairly I'm certain best we could... As a I reckon we could easily rope either uh, Rob O'Neill or Joe Rosen into doing this, who are the, the two uh, main commentators on um, iFollow. Um, definitely Joe, I think, would, would be uh, would be up for it. So um, maybe actually the, the, the pressure wouldn't be on either of us. It's an yeah. idea. We'll put it out there. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. our audience will have better ideas of, uh, of of what we could do content wise than literally an hour and a half of us um, rambling on. <laughs> I think an hour is enough for anyone. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> <I've answered> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we will um, we will wrap things up. So uh, yeah, I mean, we we have been quiet on Twitter. I think um, you know both of us for our own reasons from from kind of various work point of views have had um, stuff that we've had to kind of adjust to and changes that we've had to make that have meant that um, it's been a bit more difficult for us to get together and do this. This is the first time that we've ever done a podcast and we've not been sat across from each other. So if it sounds a bit different, you know, it's the first time that we've done this um, remotely, which is something that we vowed at the very start of this before we ever did an episode. We vowed we would never do that. It would always be in person. But um, I think circumstances dictate um, that that's been necessary and it would be good for us to, um, you know, kind of keep this going on a more regular basis now, um, just depending on what we've got to kind of talk about. So um, in terms of social media, keep in touch with us. Um, any ideas, let us know. And uh, most importantly, stay home and stay safe. Um, and that will, will wrap us up. Dom, take care of yourself and um, we'll speak again yes, soon. You too, James. Yes. All the best.